It's time for another great adventure on the one, the only, the Bantaril! Alright guys, welcome to another exciting episode of the Bantaril. Um, tonight we're talking about American Sniper. Now is this a political... Uh, Stab at the war on Iraq and Afghanistan, or is this just simply a story about a war veteran? So tonight I'm joined by the one, the only Adam Costa. That's him, and I'm Kieran Nunn, and let's get into it. So, Adam, what was uh, your official, well, first take on the film itself? Uh, I actually really enjoyed it. I uh, I found that the movie got better as it went along. Um, I know there's been a lot of carry-on in the media about, you know, being a political statement and all that, but as far as I'm concerned, it was none of those things. It was just a movie about a bloke, and it was a... As far as I'm concerned, it was a better version of The Hurt Locker. This is the movie The Hurt Locker should have been. Yes, I actually agree with you on that. I was thinking that when I was watching it. There was um, very... Hurt Locker seemed to be a... uh, It seemed to be a lot of uh, disjointed, a little, like... It's like... It was like... 15, 10 minute movies, you know, all put together and they said, right, let's make a movie out of it. Whereas this movie, I felt like there was a, like a, uh, a through storyline that actually just ran through the whole movie. Um, yeah, like, I, I, it's a pity that the Hurt Locker came first because I think this was actually a better movie. Yep. Um, so let's just dive into the plot to kick off things. Um, so it's obviously the lead character. Um, played by uh, Bradley Cooper. Now, yep. another stunning role by him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, his character, Chris, uh, Chris Kyle, uh, he's a father. Uh, he was a, a husband, your typical American uh, war hero. Uh, had a family away from them for uh, four tours, it was. Yeah. But just um, obviously showing us the effects of how it's like to go to war and then come back to a family. Um, the overall effect on that was phenomenal. His his portrayal of that character was um, groundbreaking. The way it affected him every time he went to war and came back, you saw how it changed him, and he became further and further away from his family, and less attached, I guess. I felt with this movie that uh, Bradley Cooper's character, and I will I'll probably link this back to the Hurt Locker a bit because I felt like they were the same kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like Bradley Cooper's ta- character in this movie. Uh, had a lot more heart. I feel like this movie, even though he had this, like at the end of the movie when he's talking to the psychologist and he talks about how, um, you know, he feels like he's he's taken out, you know, 160 people and saved his uh, his uh, his army buddies' lives. But and he turns around and says, "But I worry. I think about the people I've left behind." And and uh, and you could just see in that that the, his whole point, his whole point of being was to protect protect his little brother, protect him when he was a kid, you know, like there's that little scene at the start of the movie when it goes back to his dad and, and, and the and the boys and he has to stick up for his little brother and it seems that right through he's done that, but that's just what he does in his life, he protects. Uh, and so um, with this movie or with his character in this movie, I just felt like um, uh, he's, the way he went about it, that was weird. The way I just got some weird noise coming out of the phony. Um, the way he went about it was amazing. Um, but I, I loved how as he went through each each time he went back, 
it sort of seemed to get harder and harder for him. Mm -hmm. Like, it started off and it was just, yeah, I'm here to look after mates. By the end of the movie, he's just a, a bit of a, a bit of a mess. And it was only his family and it was only his psychologist and those things that brought him back to, to reality of, of life again, you know? Mm -hmm. I thought that was really well portrayed. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying there. I, I, I actually enjoyed the detachment, especially with Bradley Cooper's character towards, um, his family and it showed that it was ha it was taking a toll on him like he was trying to the character the butcher he was really trying to yeah. it was really an antagonistic he was trying to tra chase down the antagonist of the film but the thing that really probably annoyed me about that was that there was no follow up to that in the first tour he did like when he came back for the second third and fourth there was no actual um, progression of that story like he was after the butcher and he was um helping those people who were helping them in the war to try and track down this guy and the sniper was a part of that group the other on the um <clears throat> i guess the taliban side and it felt that story yeah. never really concluded there was no but he was still you know in his mind he was trying to take down um that side of the the butcher really so i just feel yeah that was kind of a plot hole they fell into yeah. and they never really picked that up and progressed it after his second third and fourth tour and when you see at the end of it that he takes him out, like he gets him in the end, you yep. know, and he gets a, he gets his sniper. Mm -hmm. But it was a bit, uh, it was a little bit disjointed the way they did that. Yep. And I guess it wasn't when it's all said and done. The movie wasn't about the butcher. No, you know, and it was about him and his reactions to everything. And so I guess yeah. you know, you you can't have you can't have him going. Come on, you can't have the public watching a movie like that going. Come on, take out the butcher, take out the butcher, because it wasn't about that. No, no, it wasn't about that. And that's you're right when you say that too, yeah. It wasn't about, a, you know, about the, getting the bad guy in the end of the movie. It was about telling the story of a soldier and the yeah, effects of yeah. what goes on in war. And really saying that, it's about, you know... Do you feel like... The... Oh, breaking up really bad, mate. Sorry. You can't help me, yeah. Um, what were you going to say before that? Sorry, I was going to say... Um... Did you feel like it was a political movie, or did you feel like it was just a movie? I'm very, I'm very mixed about it at the moment. I've just, I've just uh, watched it, and just two hours ago, and I'm very, very mixed in my opinions about it. I agree with probably the media and a lot of um, on the social networking side of it. Everyone's slamming it for being a political um, stab. But at the same time, I'm a very I'm very fond of Clint Eastwood's storytelling, and yeah. I'm very fond of him as a director and an actor. I think yeah. that he was trying to tell a story to a sense, but there is also a very strong element of that storytelling being a political stab, I guess you'd call it, at the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. I read a review in uh, Empire Magazine where they talked about that this is the best movie he's done in 10 years. Uh, when he had his uh, heyday there of directing movies, mm -hmm. of The Unforgiven, uh, and then Mystic River, yep. and then uh, Million Dollar Baby, uh, he sort of drops in Sin Invictus. I didn't think it was a very good movie at all. I never saw um, uh, Iwo Jima and um, uh, Flags, Flags of Father, Fathers. Yep. Um, and then I can't even, I did a movie with Matt Damon called Hereafter, which yep. I heard was pretty crap. What about Gran um, Torino? This movie, it seems like he's uh, he's really had a go at coming back, and yeah. I think one of the things for me with this movie that, like all these people carrying about the political side of things, 
as far as I'm concerned, you've got to remember also that Clint Eastwood's 80-plus years old. He's coming from a different era. Yep. You know, he's coming from an era where, you know, America are the good guys, the Taliban are the bad guys, and that's what it's about. Yep. And if you don't like it, get stuffed. That's yeah. basically how he feels. Yeah, definitely. And the way he puts it, that's the way he that's the way he goes with it, you know? Yep. Uh, he also, Clint Eastwood is a big uh, fan of, you think about Mystic River, you think about uh, Million Dollar Baby, you think about this movie. Every movie he does, a lot of the movies he does, is all about um, how how violence affects humanity. Yep. When you think about Mystic River and, and the dad in that, you think yeah. about uh, Unforgiven and his character in that, you think about Chris Kyle's character in this, they're all about... Um, they're all about how violence is affecting the person, and he really seems to. That seems to be a real draw card for for Clint Eastwood as a director. Yep. No, I I totally agree with you there when you say that. Um, obviously, I've I've still in my mind, I'm still calculating the whole movie, but there's parts of it that I do feel you're very correct in what you're saying. Um, I was going to mention something, and it's just totally escaped Sorry. my mind. No, no, you're right. Um. <laughs> But yeah, like you said, it's getting mixed reviews everywhere when it comes to the plot of it. And like you said, Clint Eastwood is a different um, generation to all of us. And um, it has, especially from the um, anti-discrimination committees, they've they've canned the film. But um, they're saying, you know, it's it's not fair on the um, the Arabs and the Muslims of the world. And, uh, which, you whatever. know, yeah, you know... <laughs> There is that side of it too, but you can get into that and we can, it can become, you know, we could have a debate. You and me could have a debate over it right now, but at the end of the day, it's a film about a soldier who goes to war and the effects of what it does to them. Um, and and it, I think it does that very well. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. That's probably one of the best ones. And they're actually saying now, thanks to this film, and um, there's another big film that came out, it was a war movie. It's actually bringing back the era of war films, and mate, like oh, we've okay. had, we've had a right. couple of good war films now, and they're actually saying yeah. that now is the t- like it, it seems to be another oh, maybe Fury. Fury, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. they're actually yeah. saying that. I haven't seen Fury. Thank yeah. neither have I. Neither are. We'll be doing that in the future, though. We'll definitely do a review of that because it's getting big things. Um, but it's that time where they feel as though the war movies are actually really good, and they're starting to bring them back into the um, pop culture. Realm, yeah, cool. Which is something that's <clears throat> probably been evaded for the past ten to 50, uh, ten to twenty years. Um, yes, yeah, so I think with the uh, with the um, you know the the liberalism of of today's culture, yep. you know, it's all about you know no guns and no this and no that and war is terrible and rah, rah, rah. and it's true, it's true. But unfortunately, I don't. Whoever listens to this, if they don't agree with me, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> but, but the fact of the matter is. Humanity, we can sit there and do uh, good things to have blue in the face, but there's always going to be people who argue. Yep. There's always going to be somebody on one side who thinks one thing and somebody who thinks something on another side, and they're always going to fight and there's always going to be war. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing you can do about it. So as far as I'm concerned, accept the fact, and let's make some really cool movies about it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, it was a great movie. Um, I can't keep. I can't say that, keep saying that now. The the very end for me was the defining oh, moment for the film. Oh How he was like obviously he was battling, but when he went to see the um the shrink and yeah. he saw those other people other soldiers who had suffered, he um you could see he felt um that his pro his his um inner battle was nothing compared to these these guys who had actually come back from war and had lost ligaments, um, you know, 
they they lost their ability to live properly to their full extent. But he took that on as a, I guess in a sense to actually push forward and help these people with their lives as well. Which um, um this is based on a true story to a degree that that's the case. And you know you've got to be you got to be um you have to be respect. He has to be respect for that in a general because he's gone out on his own and helped these people out. Um, yeah. I'm beeping left, right, and center here. Um, mm. but yeah, and that ending, I just, I, I kind of cringed at it, like that yeah. creepy guy at the end. I was like, yeah, this is uh, this isn't going to end well. And I thought they were going to um, elaborate on that a lot more, but it, it obviously they cut I'm the sort scene. Sort of glad they didn't. Yeah, um, I don't think they needed to. No, I, mean, I actually, I already knew what had happened to him. I'd read up about Chris Kyle and yep. found out. Um, I do, uh, I, I, I can sort of understand the political side of things a little bit as far as what they think about Chris Kyle and, and this movie because if you actually go back and, and a few of the things in his books where he talks about, in the book he wrote where he talks about uh, how he feels about uh, the uh, Islamic people or not even the, the uh, Iraqi people and stuff like that, he hated them. He hated them um, yeah. according to what had been written in the books. Mm-hmm. You know, there was he didn't have a lot of time for it at all because they hurt his mates. Mm-hmm. And I think all that comes from his uh, his fundamental. You like his dad had always taught him: you look after your family, you look after your friends, yep. no matter what. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where people are probably getting a bit lost. They get they're getting so caught up in the uh, you know his right wing beliefs that they're forgetting about like what he's fa- where where he where people get their beliefs from. They get yeah. their beliefs from their family usually. Yeah, you know, and that's where he's taught it from, and so you know, this was just made a movie based on what he has to say. Yeah, there's and it, and I felt in the film itself that the I don't know if Clint Eastwood is a Christian or not. There was a very um at the start there was a very strong uh, church, like they went to church and they believed in. Oh, absolutely. And then like you kind of see uh, Chris's character progress and he's carrying the bible around but he doesn't actually you know you never see him open it up so it's like that he's almost uh very uh right i guess he's he's uh lost faith and he just carries that around oh, for the sake of right. and i think I mean, you could take it you could look into it further and actually say okay you know it's a bit more than that the story itself he's having a, a shot at you know religion as well and you could you could dive into that side of it as well and i i just seen that very interesting that Clint Eastwood brought that element into it, especially um, with yeah. obviously his mother and father, yeah. Chris's mother and father being such strong um, religious. I, I think the main thing, from the way I saw it, I think the thing that he was trying to bring the most out of it, he was just trying to show uh, Chris's background, yep. where he come from, the, yeah. why he was the way he was, why he wanted to protect so strongly, because he'd been a good, you know, Southern Bible Belt Christian boy, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's what you do. You know, yeah, that's what you do. So, um, yeah, and I, I think no matter what happens in your life, I know in my life anyway, as time's gone on, I tend to lean back towards the things I was taught as a kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's uh, you know, that's another uh, just yeah, another bit of uh, the icing on the cake, really, when you looked at the film. Yeah. Um, now, it's going to... It it's, looks like it's going to be the main contender for the uh, Academy Awards... Uh, because of the success of it, it's been a huge film. It's uh, it knocked the Hobbit off the top of the box office in in the states. Yeah. Um, yeah. Box office to date is 
um, $180 million. Um, it only just got released in Australia this week. Yeah. Um, so obviously it'll still do big numbers. I'm sure a lot of people will go and see it um, in this country. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I've seen, so far I've seen Birdman. I actually watched the Intimidation Game the other night and I've seen this. I think those three films are you know, up there for the... Um, I just watched Birdman today. Did you? And oh, just why, why just here? What did you think of it? We've already done Birdman. Yeah, I know, I know you did. Uh, mate, weird. Really well done. Yep. Like, brilliant. And Michael Keaton, I think the guy has just been shortchanged for way too many years. He's an amazing actor, and I always said he was. Uh, and I just don't think he's had the chance to, to prove himself. And in this, he really proves himself. Yeah. He is amazing. Brilliant film. Um, personally, I think that deserves to take out the, uh, the Oscar. But I think this film will... There's a lot of American patriotism in it, I find. I think that'll yeah, be... Uh, I don't think this will. You don't think it will? No, I think uh, I think Birdman, Birdman will win Best Picture. You do? I think, uh, I think uh, the director of that will win Best Director. Mm-hmm. I think Eddie Raymond, Redman for um, uh, The Theory of Everything will okay. win Best uh, Actor. Yep. Yeah. yeah, even though... Michael Keaton was brilliant, and he won a Golden Globe. But he won a Golden Globe in the musical comedy section, not in the uh, drama. Yeah. It seems that drama usually wins, and especially Mm. when it's a story based on somebody else's life, they always win. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it'll be be surprising if he doesn't, if uh, Eddie Redmond doesn't win. Yeah. Um, But it's 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 still doing big things over in America, and they're very uh, very patriotic over there. Very so. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Of that, of that $170 million, probably a good $155 million of it's down the southern end of the country. Definitely, definitely. That, yeah. was, very, <laughs> that was very much uh, portrayed well in the film. It really was. Um, but yeah, it did well. It was promoted a lot um, in Australia. There was a lot of promotion for it. So marketing-wise, they did very well on that. So I'm guessing it'll do very well here. That um, that just the preview for it was fantastic. Yeah, Once uh, I the preview. I'm like, mate, I want to see this movie. Yeah. Oh, it was very, it was very empowering, and uh-huh. obviously that scene at the. It was really that that trailer was really the first part of the movie. Funnily enough. Yeah, and brilliantly done. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was uh, that was well done with the trailer and marketing wise, very well done. The other thing I didn't seem to really pick up on was the the music. As much, I didn't really didn't notice. notice it. It. Yeah, didn't really notice it, and I didn't really empower each um, scene when they did have music. There was a couple of times I actually listened to the music. It wasn't a soundtrack that you would have heard in Black Hawk Down or anything no. like that. It was a very soft, unique sound that was running out through the film. But yeah, something that didn't overpower the film, nor did it really set up a a scene. So you think about Queen Eastwood's movies that he's done in the past, definitely. Yeah. A lot of the music that he uses, especially probably in the last 10 or 15 years, uh, a lot of it, he actually, he's a massive jazz fan. Yep. Like a massive jazz fan. Writes his own scores a lot, like, like writes a lot of his own music. And so, um, yeah. Well, like, he actually, yeah. I, I, I think a movie like that, and probably, I don't think it needed the music and needed the quietness because it's, he's a sniper, you know, yeah. like it's. Yeah, that I think that that was actually played pretty well. Well, he actually helped compose the music with Joseph. Um, you now, pronounce his last name right is Debussy. Um, yeah. That was the composer of the film. But yeah, Clint Eastwood obviously helped out with that. 
Um, but I just, yeah, it didn't, it wasn't, and I don't think it needed a big score for a film. It was quite subtle without having to mm. be over the top. Yeah, um, you didn't like, need a, uh, you didn't need an Inception score. No, you didn't need Hans Zimmer to do a, <laughs> a, a huge Inception the score. The takeover. Yeah. yeah. But still, it, it, it did work for it um, in, the, in the long run. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely was uh, interesting to see how they placed all that into the film. But yeah, it was overall, you know, I, I, obviously talking to you now after watching it, I did enjoy it. You know, it had me um, hook, line and sinker and I was very intrigued by it. Um, I'm very intrigued about obviously veterans coming back from war and how they deal with obviously the effects of war and, you know, you're, you're battling other human beings that have, which was shown throughout the film, the sniper had a family of his own. Um, he was just following orders yeah. or, or following his beliefs in some sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just a, it's a fascinating um, look at how things can affect people when they're thrown into war. Um, yeah, very much so. Yeah, and that's what it was. Like it's a movie about it's a movie about him like, and his family more than anything else. Yeah, it, 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 like you can have all your little side, you know, your mates and people who, like his spotters and all that sort of stuff in the movie. And but really, it was just the movie is him. Yeah, it's about him and how he reacts to the to war and how he reacts to his family when he gets home and how he reacts to his mum and dad and all those sort of things, you know, and, and, uh, and you know, like this is a movie where Clint Eastwood would have gone to Bradley Cooper and said, dude, this, this movie, you're going to be in every scene. So you need to be prepared to take that on, yep. you know, like, and I think he has, I think Bradley Cooper did an amazing job. The, and, and I actually think uh, Sienna Miller did an awesome job as his wife too. Yes. He really had that... Um, there was a real, um, like, she was tough. She was a real tough chick, but at the same time, there was a real softness that um, you can understand that you'd want to go home to mm-hmm. and also that you could understand that you would feel totally, <coughs> totally uneasy. Like, there was a scene in it where she turns around and goes, your hands are different or your hands are rough or your hands are, are strange. They don't feel the same, yeah. you know, and you just go, there you go, there's there's a year of war yeah. that's done that to him, you know? And, and then that was sort of like a physical uh, representation of his mental way, what had happened to him yep. as a person, you know? I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Clint Eastwood is a, he's, he's a phenomenal director, I mean, in that sense. And but, he... I reckon he works really quickly too, like really fast. Yeah. Like it's, he's not one of these guys that does 20 uh, shots of the one thing. He'll do one or two and go, yeah, that'll do next. Well, it comes back the next it thing. comes back to a different generation as well. He was in a... He yeah. did a lot of films back in the early... Oh, 70s. 70s when he yeah. started 60s even for that matter I think his first movie directed was a movie called Play Misty for me yep yeah. but even when and he was, was like 69 but yeah when he was obviously he was an actor as well he would have been the, the directors back in that day wouldn't have been so intense as to take you know 15 nah. shots it would have been one one or two takes and that's it you know yeah, so I, it's it. different that, once again it comes down to another generation of filmmaking yeah, um, it really does and a, and a, and a like you, you think about him, Scorsese's the same, uh, Spielberg's the same, mm. and they're all like Spielberg's just, I think, just hit 70 or just after over 70. Scorsese's mm. 68. Yeah. You know, Clint Eastwood's 82, 83 years old, and they are, they're all in that, they all fly through their movies. Spielberg hasn't made a movie over budget, I don't think ever, except for maybe Jaws. And that was when he was a young lad and wasn't sure what the hell he was doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, but as time went on, I reckon Jurassic, I reckon Jurassic Park. 
he, he like he got given fifty million or something to make. He did it for like forty five, wow. and like you know, two weeks early as well. You know, <laughs> he's amazing. Precise. No, he's, just, he's very precise. Yeah, and Clint Eastwood's the same. Clint Eastwood, you think that Clint Eastwood he's done this and Jersey Girl in the one year? Yeah, and that's that's this thing that I was very that's nuts. Yeah, like he's done two films in the year, and they're not like yeah. they're not, none of them like neither of them are bad films by any expectation, but. They're both big, well, they're big movies, and the success That's of them. The difference between today and back and back then, you know, that that sort of work ethic. Yeah. And you look at when Spielberg was doing Jurassic Park, he was also making Schindler's List. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> In oh. the same year, I mean, my God, two of the biggest movies ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued to where the next um, the 10 to 20 years of cinema will go because there'll be a lot of um, kids coming through now who have idolised, um, obviously, Spielberg and uh, Clint Eastwood and how their filmmaking will be reflected on their filmmaking as... It's interesting you say that. Like, It's actually always getting to a point now, Kieran, that um, uh, Spielberg's generation are now influencing the next generation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the people that Spielberg watched, uh, that, that watched Spielberg, like J.J. Abrams, J.J. Yep. Abrams is now influencing a new crew. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, it. I guarantee you there's 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds going, I'm going to be the next J.J. Abrams, you know. Well, J.J. Abrams just did, a couple of years ago, did Super 8, which is a, his uh, homage to um, ET. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it's a great, it's a great thing to watch as a spectator, like you and me. It's a great feeling to watch these people come through and say, that, you know, these were the influences in my life to help me create these things, mm. and they are our influences on. Like we watch movies, and you know, Spielberg, Lucas, uh, Eastwood. Who else am I going to name off here? Scorsese. Scorsese. Um, Col- yeah, exactly. Uh, right. All those guys. Yeah, it's all the, all the great filmmakers, and they're all, the, all our um, idols and our favourite directors. But I just, I, I look... Think, f- think it's impressive. Sorry, Sorry, mate. I was going to say, I think it's impressive that uh, guys like Spielberg and that, like, remember a little while ago, they had, uh, they had this um, thing in Empire Magazine where they talked about uh, who is the fate of... Like, they... Did the uh, face of uh, uh, the new generation of movie of movie making? Yep. People they interviewed. How's this? The four people interviewed. Yep. With James Cameron, Peter Jackson, Robert Zemeckis, yeah, and Steven Spielberg. They were the four. For the, they said these are the people who are bringing in the new generation of uh, movie technology. Those four guys. And then you think about the movies they've done though, since um, Lord of the Rings and Hot. Trilogy. Yep. James Cameron forefront with Avatar, yep. Titanic. Yep. Um, Spielberg did Tintin and Jurassic Park and all those things. Robert Zemeckis, not Robert Zemeckis. Um, yeah, Robert Zemeckis. For a couple of years there, he went off and all those. Chris Carroll. Um, uh, what was that one? Uh, with Tom Hanks playing about twelve different characters. Uh, the kids. Oh, Pirates Express. Yep. His movies, you know, like so they've really, and then all these people now are jumping onto all this, all these ideas and going, shit, that's really cool. I'm going to do that. I'm going to yep. do that. I'm going to do that. You know, all the kids coming through movie school at the moment, they'll be watching JJ Abrams. Oh, no, what's he going to do yeah. now? And what's Josh Whedon going to do now? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's exciting and I'm, I look forward to it. Um, but, you know, it's great, it's great filmmaking and uh, I look forward to it. And I'm sure you do, Adam. Yeah, I think yeah, that's about yeah. all the time we've got for tonight. Um, gotta let you go, but you know this has been our review on American Sniper. I hope you've enjoyed it. 
hope you've seen it because you're going to get spoiled if you haven't. We'll be back again. Short, sharp, and to the point, mate. Short, <laughs> sharp, and to the point. That's exactly right. We've been on the, we've been on the thing over 30 minutes. We've done nicely, I reckon. Yeah. So, yeah. Hope well, you've... hour and a half, rubbish. <laughs> hope you've enjoyed it, and join us again for another episode of The Banter Reel. Thanks for joining us, guys. Please come back, guys. We're here every week. That's it. I'm Kieran Nunn. <laughs> he is... And I'm Adam Costa. And we'll see you again. See ya.